All right, welcome to this episode of Every Damn Day. I'll be joined in a second by Kevin Broccoli as we cover events from the past week. Kevin, how are you? I'm good. I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing all right. So I wanted to start by talking about uh, this sort of viral uh, piece of video that went around, and it's Mario Lopez playing a sexy Colonel Sanders in a Lifetime movie. And it's not really a movie. It's 15 minutes long, so it's really just a long commercial. Um, it's uh, it's called A Recipe for Seduction, and it's it's Colonel Sanders basically seducing people's wives. And, uh, and as I watched it... <laughs> I was like, firstly, you knew it was done sort of on the cheap when they didn't make it a period piece. It wasn't like Colonel Sanders <laughs> in like the 50s. It was like Colonel Sanders in modern time. He looked like he was at a community college. Like I saw the clip and I was like, I was like, is this like CCRI? Where is he? And he looked like he he got the costume at like one of those Halloween spirit stores, you know, like yeah. the cheapest possible. But anyway, it turned out it was just a viral marketing piece for KFC, although it is going to run on Lifetime. So it got me to thinking, though, what corporate spokesperson or mascot that you would least like to see in a sexy movie? And I'm going to take it just because it's a layup. Um, Jared from Subway. I don't want to see him in Jared any kind of like Subway, sexy movie. Yeah. Spoof. yeah, so he's out. I didn't know generally what you think about that idea uh, of this mini movie. And then also if there's any kind of corporate spokesperson or mascot that you would definitely not want to see. You know, in a I sexy would movie. never... I would never want to have sex with any of the people from those prescription drug commercials because they're all just too happy. And that's a real <laughs> turnoff for me. Um, yeah, you can't so have like, someone happy. That's not good. So nobody from like the AstraZeneca ads or anything like that. I don't want any of them. But, you know, like I'm down like the Hamburglar. That works for me. I mean, if Mario <laughs> Lopez is playing them, then like I'm game. He is just a stunningly beautiful man. I'm glad that he's having like a career resurgence um although i don't know if, if this qualifies as a career resurgence but listen he's, hey the thing is he's literally everywhere like when they had the yeah. the tyson jones pay-per-view he was like one of the commentators on that and he's on like rea he's on like reality shows and dance shows and he just does it all i think it's because he is super attractive but he's also game to do literally anything like i don't think the man has ever said no to any job in his <laughs> entire life Maybe it's because he's in that category of people. He's not great at anything. So you kind of can't be too choosy. And he's got like the nostalgia thing. Like, you know, people my age like him from Saved by the Bell. And he's a he's kind of a personality at this point. But I mean, I would love to know like who in that meeting was like, you know, who we should get for the colonel, Mario Lopez. <laughs> they, yeah, because it's a Lifetime movie. So it had to be someone that would take it. I but, mean, he would be. I'm sure he's been. And do you also I wonder this. Do you also like that Lifetime is now meta? Like, I just like the fact that Lifetime is now like we know what because they don't actually make those kinds of movies anymore. So it's kind of like it's kind of like they're parodying them themselves. But yeah. from like 20 years ago. It's amazing. I know people that love. I watched one one time and I was kind of it wasn't over the top enough for me. You know what I mean? But um, but it was amazing because you're right. They were just kind of like spoofing themselves. My favorite thing to do, because there were Sunday afternoons where like my mom would just sit and watch the Lifetime movies for like hours on end. And my favorite thing is to do as a kid was like stop playing video games, go into her room and be like, what's this one about? And she would be like, oh, well, her husband actually died in a car accident, but she thinks this is him with a new face. But it turns out it's his cousin who's a communist and he's <laughs> dragged her to this island in the middle of nowhere. But it's probably just Nova Scotia. 
and she's trying to escape. So she becomes a hooker. And like, that was my favorite thing to do. Cause I was like, they covered all that in two hours. Like, how did that even, <laughs> they it, set it up, incredible. they set it all up in like the first three minutes. Like that's, yeah. you got all of it early on. So, so I know, I know you want to talk about the, uh, the governor's press conference. It sounds, I'm guessing that you're upset. Oof. I'm furious. I do love that they're cor- calling her Quarantina now. I do think that that's appropriate. Oh my God. You know why I'm upset? I'll tell you. I mean, I'm upset for many reasons, as you know, on any given day. But the reason I'm upset is because I had to get a new cable box last night. And I wasn't able to go until like six o'clock. And so if anyone out there ever needs a new cable box from Cox, um, the one in the Warwick Mall is open the latest. It's open till seven o'clock at night. So I was like, all right, I have to go to the, the Warwick Mall one. And let me tell you, if you go to that mall, you would never know we're in a pause. It is whatever the opposite of a pause is at the Warwick Mall. I know we talk about the Warwick Mall a lot on this podcast. They should sponsor us. But <laughs> like there's, I mean, it was swamped. It was absolutely packed. It was as busy as I've ever seen it. And the fact that, you know, she's going on TV and trying to like tisk tisk people and be like, you know, this is because you guys aren't wearing your masks. I mean, it might be that. It might also be that you refuse to shut down everything and you're picking and choosing. I mean, the reality of the situation is that like we have airplanes landing at TF Green every single day and people getting off them. And you could go to Mexico, come back, go to the Warwick Mall, sneeze on everything in sight. And Gene is going to tell you that the problem is you had your dad over for Thanksgiving. Like, it's just absolutely infuriating to me. And it's infuriating that we do not apparently have reporters or media that are willing to ask her a very simple question, which is, hey, what's with the inconsistencies here? You know? Right. And I think I think especially, you know, we've been doing this um, since earlier this year. And for a while, Rhode Island was sort of a success story. And now we're literally like the worst. It's crazy. Well, the thing is, I think, like I said, I think we had to be, it was always going to be one or the other, right? We either, we had to be super vigilant because anyone from Rhode Island knows that, I mean, for a small state, you see everybody all the time. I probably run into like 40, 50 people a day without trying. Like we're so densely packed in here. So it made sense that at the beginning we were hypervigilant because this is the result of not being hypervigilant. You know, it's it's one or the other. Either you for, you really, I mean, I think this is true of everywhere, but like when it comes to Rhode Island, like you have to absolutely take away every opportunity people have to leave their houses or they're gonna leave their houses and go places. That's just how they are. And even at the beginning of the pandemic, when things were super strict, you saw people going to the supermarket just to go to the supermarket because they wanted to get out of their house. I mean- it's it's just infuriating. It's it's it makes me so mad. And it really made me mad that she made that comment about, you know, superintendents deciding to go digital and how you need to try harder and think about if you can do better. Man, fuck you, lady. Like, really, fuck you. <laughs> These teachers are going above and beyond. They are literally putting their lives at risk. And all this bullshit about, well, we don't have findings or studies that show that it's all that dangerous. It's like, well, you're not doing proper contact tracing. So how on earth would you ever have appropriate studies? You know, it, it's just ridiculous because the underlying message is the kids aren't in danger. We're not finding that the kids are in danger. So, you know, if a couple of teachers drop, oh, well, what's the problem? 
I mean, it's just absolutely, and it's especially infuriating when you think about the fact that, yes, this was thrown on them in the middle of the school year last year, but they had between March and all summer to figure this shit out, and they still couldn't figure it out. So to blame teachers and superintendents is so outrageous and insane. I mean, just absolutely. I don't know who I don't know who, who she thinks she's scoring points with on that one, but that was really stupid. Well, to your earlier question, though, and, you know, um, in a previous episode, we were talking about the Warwick Mall and it's uh, very catchy and memorable jingle. <laughs> Everyone is going to the Warwick Mall because there's always something happening at Warwick yeah, Mall. Yeah, yeah. You know what's happening at Warwick Mall? Super spreading. That's what's happening at <laughs> Warwick Mall. Um, but anyway, speaking of um, possible super spreader events, you wanted to talk about the Grammys, or rather the pre-Grammys uh, award show where Tiffany Haddish, uh, actress, comedian, was offered the chance to host the pre-Grammys, uh, like sort of like, you know, like the Joan Rivers portion of the night. Um, but they didn't offer her any money. Yeah. So from so I, in my, of course, a very in-depth research of this topic <laughs> there, she was offered an apology from a guy who has the title of the Recording Academy Interim Chief. So that is something <laughs> to shoot for, you know, the Recording Academy Interim Chief. Uh, it's Harvey Mason Jr., by the way, just in case you're you're wondering. So they clarify that the, that uh, the pre-show is not put on by CBS, which broadcasts the Grammys, but by the Recording Academy itself, which is a nonprofit. And they say that the lack of any payment isn't a new trend and that pre-show hosts have been doing it for free for years. Two things. One, I don't think Tiffany is just funny at all. I think she's like really unfunny. And, you know, I think I used to think that Kevin Hart was kind of funny and now I find him completely unfunny. So I'm OK with them not being involved in any kind of award shows. That's that's OK with me. But it did make me think I have a lot of musician friends and they always get offered to do things for free. And the person always says it'll be great exposure for you. So I'm wondering with you, um, you know, being in the theater for so long and a bunch of other stuff, has anyone ever asked you to do something for free and made it sound like it would no, be great I mean, here's if the you thing. did it? We don't, well, here's the thing. We don't pay anybody at my theater. Like we pay the directors and the stage managers because those are the jobs nobody wants. But like the actors and like I still act for free all the time because like, if I want to do a project, I'm going to do it. And I don't really, you know, my, my whole thinking is like, yes, if you personally think you deserve to be paid for your work, bully for you, absolutely. You sh if you feel you're worth it, then you should get paid. My issue with where we are now in society as artists is that every artist now, and by the way, I'm going to make the word artist do a lot of work here because I'm talking about Broadway chorus boys at this point, um, although they actually do work pretty hard. But um, everybody now is like, well, I deserve to get paid. I deserve to get paid. Sweetie, you need to be good to get paid. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't really in touch with whether or not they're good. And it's funny because I agree with you. Like, I mean, I don't think Tiffany Haddish should do this for free because she actually is a pretty big celebrity. Right. I think it's kind of insane that they would offer someone who is indisputably a big celebrity to do this for free. Like whether you think like her or not, um, I like her. I actually think this would have been a funny opportunity for her because I think 
her, she's at her best when she's like off the cuff, just talking. But I, you know, I, I, to your point, like, so the, the thing is like, I do think that some, exposure is a thing, but she certainly doesn't need the exposure. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. that's insane. If they gave it to some random comedian, although I don't know if you saw this, but on Twitter, when they were talking about this, Jimmy Kimmel was talking about how when he hosted the Oscars, they paid him $15,000 that's insane. That's, that's crazy. Nothing. I, I mean, that's literally, and, and, and all I can think of is like, do they not have money for these shows? Because my, because there is such a thing as exposure. Listen, and, and somebody brought up this example and it's true. You have to pay to do the Super Bowl halftime show. If you want to be the artist who does the Super Bowl halftime show, they don't pay you for that. You have to pay them to do it. And the reason is that I guess it's thought of that like, that means that you have made it. Like, it's almost like you have to buy your star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They don't just get like, they, they have to give it to you, but you have to be willing to buy it. And it's this thing of like, it's clout, you know, it's clout. It's like, it's the same way that you have to pay to play Carnegie Hall. It's these things that it's like, you know, we think of them as these big career accomplishments, but truth be told, if you have enough money, you can just buy them. Um, but at the end of the day, and, and I think the Super Bowl halftime show is a great example. Like by the time you're playing the Super Bowl halftime show, you don't need exposure. It's not like they've ever let anyone do the halftime show who's like an up and comer. So all it is really is being able to say, hey, I did that thing. And it's funny because Jimmy Kimmel, when they talked to him and they were like, oh, so you only got $15,000? And he said, yeah, but I got to say I hosted the Oscars. Right. You know, and, and so I think there's that element there of if it's a big career achievement, if it's something like the Oscars where, you know, and even the Grammys and the Grammy pre-show, you're talking about millions more people than have ever watched you do anything all of a sudden are going to be watching yeah. you. So I do think that at that level, maybe you can argue exposure to some extent, but I'm also not that guy who's like, Anybody who doodles on a piece of paper and sticks it on a wall and says they should get 10 bucks for it is absolutely right. It's like, no, we, we need to have better discussions about like, you deserve to get paid when you're good. When you're not good, especially when you're talking about the arts, right? Because like, if you write and record a crappy ass song and I'm like, I'll fucking play your song on the radio, but it's a pretty piece of shit song. You shouldn't be able to be like, yeah, and I deserve 20 bucks for that. It's like, no, you don't. The song's a piece of crap. You know, like I'll play it and maybe someone will hear it and like it and you can write a better song. But like, no, you don't. You're not automatically entitled to money in every other field on Earth. Um, if you work and the work sucks, you don't get paid. All for right. It. So let me ask you a question. You know? So do you think that flight attendants should be paid? Uh, that's <laughs> I don't know. You wanted oh to talk God. about flight attendants. Why? I have no yeah. idea. No, I don't want to talk about flight attendants. It's a TV show, a Brett. TV. I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I'm not. So Brett and I do this thing. We don't do Netflix and chill because of the restraining order he filed against me. But I am allowed to do HBO Max and Chowder, where I go over his house <laughs> and from six God. feet away eats clam chowder. That would um, be good. I'm for and that. And that's the that's the closest. You're like I'm yeah, on board. Um. But yeah, no, it's this show on HBO Max. I just, every so often, I like to throw these in there for people. So it, it, this is a show that I was 100% convinced I was going to hate. Um, it's, a, it's exclusively on HBO Max, which we talked about HBO Max last week. Um, it's like a campy 
thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco from Big Bang Theory. And I especially never thought I'd like anything with anyone from Big Bang Theory in it. Um, and it's really fun. It's a really fun sort of dark comedy. It's got elements of like soap opera and camp, but it's very smartly written. She's incredible in it. Um, so I figured I'd just throw that in there. If you're all <laughs> looking for something to watch, I know it's the holidays. I'll be over Brett's house watching it. You're not allowed to join us because you're going to cramp my style. Um, and I'm, I think I'm really making some headway with our trust <laughs> issues. Um, but if you want to watch it at your house, um, feel free. Uh, and that is my that is my That's pitch. Your pitch. Um, and speaking of t- speaking of TV shows, um, I was a big fan of The Office, and apparently there's somebody from The Office doing really well these days. So you know, I'm fixated on Cameo. I love to look at Cameo to see what celebrities charge to record these messages, and they range. I think the lowest one I found was twenty five dollars for like someone who billed themselves as like a social media celebrity. I'd never heard of them before, obviously. And then at the high end was like I think. Uh, um, Caitlyn Jenner is the most expensive one, but you also have like Floyd Mayweather is like a thousand bucks. It's it's crazy. So there was an article that uh, the the Office star Brian Baumgartner, who played Kevin um, on The Office, and so he was like kind of the bald, kind of dumpy looking guy, you know, just a bit player in the show. That he um, I know was... all about him because when you Google Kevin Broccoli, what comes up is an image of that guy because there's an episode where they try to make him eat broccoli. And so now my <laughs> Google is fucked forever. So I want to revisit that in a minute. I want to revisit that in a second. I want to <laughs> no, I want to talk to you about growing up with the name Broccoli. So anyway, he is the most su- successful celebrity on Cameo that um, he earned over a million dollars on the service in 2020. Um, he just personally, by recording these these personalized videos for fans, and uh, I, it's kind of weird to me that the celebrity that he knocked out of first place was Michael Rappaport, which is really weird to me. I, I'm I was I'm surprised. And see, I had heard. Um, so I actually knew about this when you told me you wanted to talk about it because there's a podcast that I love called Sway, which is just this woman, this really uh, the New York Times reporter having conversations. And she talked with the CEO of Cameo and she asked him, you know, who did the best, who's doing the best. And he, he mentioned that this guy from the office was the number one. I had heard previous to that, that the number one was Gilbert Gottfried and that it had to do with the price point versus the level of celebrity. I think think he was, I think Gilbert Gottfried had did the most, but I think because so, the guy Kevin from the office charges one hundred and ninety five dollars a video. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And then the fees higher for business or corporate events. But I'll tell you right now, like my kids love the office, like older people, like everyone kind of loves the office. So I can kind of see it. Um, you know, I don't know. It's uh, and they, they said that the most requested person that is not on Cameo that they get requests for is someone named David Dobrik? He's a yeah, YouTube the, vlogger. The, I, yeah, they said the vloggers. That made me want to, when that when he revealed that, it made me want to like punch myself in the face because I was like, great, one more thing to make me feel disconnected to the US. <laughs> like, because I had no idea. And, and they even said that they'll, ironically, even though I consider whoever that person is to be a nobody, they were saying they cannot get him on Cameo because he makes such a fortune vlogging that like it's just not worth it to him to even go on there. I wonder how the guy from the office, I wonder how much he made, at, you know, I mean, I don't know what he gets for residuals or what he made in his peak as someone on the oh, office. Oh, it's got to be a fortune. 
it's got to be a fortune. But he made, he made that. But in 2020, he made a million dollars just like sitting in his house, going like, "Hey, Bob, happy but they birthday. did say on the podcast. No, see, on the podcast, they said one of the reasons they think he shot to number one is they said that he seems to really take his time. Oh, he yeah. makes sure that these video. He makes sure he he churns out a lot of them. I know from uh, somebody else talking about doing cameo, like as a celebrity, they were saying that like it's really not it, it's not hard to do, but it's kind of annoying. Like it's not it's not <laughs> super user friendly for them. They were you know they were just they had done it for charity, so they weren't trying to be a dick. But they were just saying that like it was interesting to them because it's not it's not really something that it's easy to just bang one out after the other. So if you do a lot of them, you're probably actually putting work into it. And they said that like, he really takes his time and he makes the messages super personalized. And, you know, he's just, like you said, he's, he's part of a show that was a cultural phenomenon. He's just famous enough. Although I'm shocked he charges $195. I would never pay that much. Never. I don't even think Gilbert Godfrey was that much. That means he has to do 5,000, and yeah, I mean, there are obviously there are different price points. So if it's for like your business, he probably charges way more, but he'd have to do. So he's got to do like probably about 10 to 15 a day. That's kind of crazy. Although he can probably bang them out in a few hours. But, but... they're only like 30 seconds, like the personalized ones. No, I think he, he I think his are longer, I think. Like two minutes. But even if it's two minutes, yeah, I know. that's what? Yeah, that's not that much. It's crazy. So um... you So you had a question. Related to entertainment and COVID, and it was, yeah. has anything been good culturally during COVID? <laughs> and, so you know what made me think of this, and don't—I know there's a reason. Don't attack me, yeah, yeah. Don't attack. Oh, hold me, on, Swifties. can we just go this back isn't... for one quick sec? Yeah. So, growing up with the name broccoli, how much yeah. abuse did you get over the years? Like, what was the most familiar taunt, or like, what what was the story? Um, you know, it really—I don't really have any bad stories about it. Because, um, it, like, for the most part, the interesting thing, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. So, I obviously, my name has been Kevin Broccoli my whole life. And I kind of look the same from, like, birth. Like, I've had the same features. <laughs> I, so, so, like, people remember me. Like, it, it's very strange, but I don't, I like it. I, it's something I like. Like, I will bump into, like, I'll walk by someone, you know, at the, at the Warwick Mall with my mask. And they'll be like, Kevin Broccoli? And I'll be like, oh, hey. And they're like, oh, I, we went to third grade together. Like, because it's like the same sort of look with the name, like the two things attached. But like, no, I never really, I never got teased about it. Really? And it, I wasn't really insecure about it because growing up, when I was three years old, I had to have my four front teeth taken out when I was three years old. And they were like, oh, it's no big deal. We have to take these out but his regular teeth will grow in, you know, next year. So it's no big deal. Those teeth, those four teeth did not grow in until I was 10 years old. I went seven years Get out without my four front teeth because, and I had to, and I don't, if people are squeamish, this isn't too gory, but just in case, um, I had to have my gums sliced twice, which is a procedure they do because apparently my gums as it were like super, super dense. And so the teeth like couldn't get through. So they had to literally like numb me and cut the gums to like get to open up a space to let the teeth go through. And the first time they did it, it didn't work. And I had to go back and do it again. So, but like, so for the first, yeah, like for, I would say, so I was three years old, I had the four teeth out. And then for seven years, I did not have 
four of my front teeth, like the upper four front teeth. So like that made me super in, I was so insecure about that. I like, I would, it, it, it made me so uncomfortable as a kid and insecure that like the last name really didn't phase me at all. Oh, wow. That's a pretty, that's all a very traumatic tale. I mean, I couldn't like, it's so weird, but I remember when they finally came in, I was 10 years old. And like once that, once they sliced the gums the second time, it was like, boom, I had teeth. And like, I, that was the first time I was ever able to like eat an apple. I couldn't eat an apple. Cause like you need your, you need teeth, like you need your front teeth to eat an apple. Um, and I remember like getting an apple for the first time and being like, oh, I can eat an apple. But to this day, I don't, I very rarely smile like in photos or anything with my mouth open because for the longest time I like wouldn't, it, like I wouldn't do that. All right. So besides your story of being like this, this toothless <laughs> little gremlin as a child, <laughs> has anything good happened culturally in, in, in during COVID? Well, I'm sorry I didn't have the big ass teeth baby Brett did. Jesus, oh did God. you all see that baby photo? Oh, yeah, my it wasn't good. Yeah, I know. I, I would never make fun of anyone for the Holy way they looked. Cow. Um, you had all that hair, too. Jesus. Yeah. It, everything went in the opposite direction. Um, no, I love your head. I do. Um, <laughs> and I hope that gets taken out of context. Anyway. <laughs> Um, no, you don't even think of this. And Swifties, don't attack me because I'm not. It's not about Taylor Swift specifically, but Taylor Swift announced that she is dropping. So she already released a surprise album this year, Folklore. She announced today on Instagram that she is putting out a whole other, and a whole other album tonight at midnight is dropping. That is it, basically Folklore Part Two. Like she basically said, we wrote so many songs. And we put them out as folklore, but like I kept writing songs and like, I really like this genre, whatever. And so I'm, I'm releasing a second album. And so of course everybody's losing their mind. They're like, oh my God. And I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like this year, every living musician put out an album, like people who haven't, because there's, they've had nothing to do. Yeah. Right. So like, like Bruce Springsteen, like Bruce Springsteen put out my favorite album of last year. Um, and normally when Bruce Springsteen puts out, especially an album like that, which was like really acclaimed and usually you don't get another Bruce Springsteen album for like a couple years. And like, we got a new Bruce Springsteen. We got a, a Bob Dylan. We got, I mean, like everybody put out an album and I, I mean, I like some of them. I don't, I don't think any of them are bad. Let me put it that way. But I feel like when I listen to them, I can tell that these were albums that were created for lack of anything better to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. I the one like they're that, not bad. I'll tell you the one but... thing though. This year, I've been much more forgiving of and of everything, whether it's you know watching the Celtics or just entertainment in general. Because I'm like, all right, we just need a distraction to get through all this. So I'm looking at things way less critically than. I, I... Oh yeah, I'm not. And to be clear, like I said, I don't think any of them are bad. What I do think, though, is that, like, I don't think anybody is feeling particularly inspired right now. Right. And even, like, I'm a writer, and, like, I look at the stuff I'm writing, and I can tell. Like, I can tell with the stuff that I'm writing that, like, this is writing that I'm doing because I don't want to just take two years off from writing. But I can tell the difference between that and, oh, my God, I'm so inspired. Like, just creatively, I'm firing on all cylinders. I'm feeling really good. Like... You know, or even like the weird thing is you can, for me, I can create really good art, I think, when I'm either really happy or really unhappy. 
And so the weird thing about right now is I wouldn't say I'm really happy or really unhappy, but that's almost worse because you don't feel particularly inspired to do anything like real, like, you know, you know, this cause you're, you're in music and everything. Like if you're really, really depressed, obviously that's terrible, but you can actually use that to your advantage. Whereas if you're just kind of like ambling along, I feel like that's worse. See, I make like, I, like I, I, I make like a movie every like four or five years or so. And it's kind of just like, I finally come up with an idea where I'm like, all right, I can do this. It's doable. I can get the people to be in it. And so for me, it's not, it's not like a mood thing. It's just like an idea thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I just haven't, I don't feel like for me anyway, I don't feel like I've had like, oh, the, like great idea. And also with some of, you know, and I, I appreciate that some of these artists, they're not trying to fool anybody. Like most of them say like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I was, I haven't had anything to do and I have a studio and I'm just going to record some songs. And like, that's fine. But I just think it hits differently than when they're like, oh, I, I had this idea for this project. And like, you know, I just think it's different. I, I don't particularly think that 10 years from now, we will be saying, oh, yeah, the music that came out during that time was outrageously good, which is crazy because, as I said, everybody and their mother put out an album this year. Yeah, I guess so. I think I think in the future, though, people might look back at this particular podcast tonight and they're going to say this was the episode where on the Saturday segment where things always get personal that Brett and Kevin talk about how they each lost their virginity. Ah, okay. I might have relatives that listen to this. So please turn this off. Right yeah, same now. for me. And if you're, and if no, if you're related to Brett, turn the volume up because it's probably, you're probably like going to want to know how he turned into the person he became. Um, no. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I wanted to talk about something a lot more innocuous. And you were like, <laughs> Oh, at some point, at some point. So for all of you who think I'm the sexed up one here because I flirt with Brett so much, I assure you that when the recording is off, he is equally as bad as me. Um, this was his decision. He did this. I just think every um, Saturday now has to be a personal story. Yeah. That's I'm going to go first because I know yours is going to be insane. I, I, I made the mistake once of like letting you tell a personal story first, and then I had nothing like off of you. All right, so, so I'm gonna go. Go ahead. I'm dying to find out because mine is not that bad. Mine's not that. It's it literally was a. Um, it was I lost my virginity. Okay, so when you're gay, there's three kinds of virginity. You can <laughs> there's <laughs> there's this is already good. There's. <laughs> No, I know you're fascinated by this stuff. Okay, so there's three kinds of virginity you can lose when you're gay. There's like the fooling around virginity. Um, there is the uh, the you're the pitcher virginity. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the you're the catcher virginity. Mm -hmm. And for most gay people, they don't consider like until you lose the catcher virginity, most gay people are like, oh, I'm still a virgin. Like I know people, I know guys who like pitched for years and were like, yeah, well, I'm still pretty much a virgin. <laughs> um, but don't people, you know, aren't which, there some people that are just like the top or the bottom or is it always interchangeable? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But for some reason, it's like a big, it's, it's a big moment in the sex life of a gay man when you bottom for the first time. Like that's a big, because it's always traumatic. It's never fun. It's always horrible. Like, it's just, it's, it's horrible. Like, it's not, I don't, I don't think I know anybody who was like, oh my God, that first time was phenomenal. 
which I think is kind of similar with women, right? Like women don't like their first time. I think that right? I think you have to. I, I have a message if you could deliver it to the gay community. You are <laughs> you are kidding yourself if that's the standard you're setting. If it's like, nope, I didn't catch, so I'm still a virgin. If that's the standard, then you the. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that you had like advice. No, I, on like Bob. No, I have no <laughs> advice on anything. But I will say, if anyone that you know that's that's keeping up that facade. That uh, because I didn't catch, I'm still a virgin. Then they uh, tell them that they're yeah. just kidding themselves. I will. I will tell them. I'll tell them. Brett Davy, noted straight man, uh. said that you're kidding yourself. But no. So my my um, the virginity I'm going to go with is the like just fooling around virginity because and like a lot of stuff happened in that that instance. Um, it was the result of a truth or dare game. Mm. I was uh, it was with a friend. Uh, a, fr- a straight friend, a friend that uh, to the- still identifies as straight. Um, and uh, we started playing Truth or Dare and it just became, you know, um, which before that's pretty much all it was. So, but I did want to ask you before we go to your story, um, I because I've always wondered, it's the only, tr- honest to God, it's the only Truth or Dare game I've ever played in my life. And it led to me like, you know, having like gay, a gay interaction with my straight friend. If you were a guy, like when you were younger, I, w- I was, a, you, like, I was got, a guy when I was younger, by the way. Yeah, you were a guy when you were younger <laughs> and you got roped into like a truth or dare game. Like, were there limits to what you would have done in a dare? Like if a guy was like, Brett, I dare you to like, you know, touch down there. Like, would you have been like, no, I'm not going to do that? Or would you have been like, that's like, ah, a dare? All right. So I grew up in Pawtucket and a bunch of dudes like in the 1970s. This We did not play truth or dare. I'm going to tell you, what, like, this is what we did do. We would go down in my friend's basement and there were no lights down there. It was so when you would turn the lights off, it was completely dark. And his parents had a bunch of sets of darts and we would each take like three or four darts. You turn off the light and you could just start humming the darts at other people oh in the dark. God. And then you turn on the light and like some poor bastard would have one like sticking oh. out of his head or his forearm. So that's what we did. Oh, we, oh weren't, my. we weren't be- we weren't like, kiss me, Bob. We were like, why did you throw that dart in my eye? <laughs> So it was just. Wouldn't you rather kiss Bob than get a dart in your eye? We were like, we were, we were just really not that bright. It was like a real dopey collection of uh, of guys. So yeah, I'm definitely the homosexual generation, even for the straight boys, because (laughs) when I was in high school, even beside Truth or Dare, the game, the game that all the the guys played, all the straight guys played the game was gay chicken that was like the number one game that all the straight guys like they couldn't get enough of it at lunch at parties does um, that include you gay are chicken. you banging a chicken what's going on in gay chicken no so gay chicken no, I know is that. I the it. two of you the oh yeah you know what gay chicken is where you sit side by side and you move your hands up the guy's thigh and then whoever like gets uncomfortable first and i remember vividly being in high school at a party and this uh, this other guy came to get me. He's like, Kevin, can you come over here? Like, we need to figure this out. Like, we don't know what to do. And I walked over and I saw the two guys, like, I think they were they were on either the basketball team or the football team. Nice guys. And they had their hands on each other's crotches. Okay. And they're sitting there. And they're like, so Kevin, we were playing gay chicken and neither one of them yelled chicken. What do we do now? Because we the whole point is you're not supposed to get to the part where like you're actually touching the other guy's crotch and i went i don't know i guess you're both gay like i don't know what to tell you like yeah you're right you should you should absolutely not have gotten this far but i also remember being very like oh like you guys are either you guys are so competitive that you're determined 
to not lose this stupid game that you don't win anything or you're just so comfortable in your own sexuality that you're like, yeah, I'll touch another guy's dick if like that's the point of the game. Yeah, that's... Like, yeah, whatever. But they were just like sitting there with like touching each other's crotches. And I remember that kept happening at my school. Like they kept like either because there were a lot of closet cases or it was just really guys were really competitive. But like it got to the point where like it had to be addressed that everybody was playing this game because like to up the ante, like rubbing started getting involved. And like <laughs> there was there was like a kissing of the neck element where like if you got to the if you got your hand on the guy's crotch, you had to start like kissing his neck until he called uncle. Like it just it got completely there are straight men at my school who went who went to my high school who went further with a guy than I did before oh, like I actually like played that truth. Or now, did I, did like, I mention to you that we were throwing darts at each other? That's again I want to just. Yeah, I that sounds way more violent. So, all right, here's my story. I'll tell it quickly. So, I can't wait. So, for this. I'm I was so excited. Uh, I'd had girlfriends before, but never gone all the way. So, I was, I was 18, and I was working at Cello's Restaurant in Providence as a dishwasher and busboy. There was a collection of the most gorgeous waitresses and hostesses and bus girls working at that place. So, um, like, I had a crush on every single one of them. And I was 18 and we went to go drink at, I forget, what was the name of the, there was on North Main Street, there used to be a pub. It was where the old Rhode Island Auditorium was. So, I mean, it probably got torn down, tore down before you were born, but they snuck me in there to drink. We went drinking and then I needed a ride home. And one of the waitresses who was like 23 and married gave me a ride home. And we went into the, there was like a, almost like a little apartment in the rear of the garage. I was living with my mom. We went in there and <laughs> did the deed. And then we snuck into my, my mom's house where I lived. My room was down in the basement. And in the morning, we were She stayed the night, even though she was again. married? And my, yeah, we were like so drunk. I don't oh. And so my mother walked down the stairs no. and walked in on us. And then she called me upstairs and she said this, I'll never forget this, even though it was a zillion years ago. She said, I never <laughs> want to see you doing that again. And I was like, I really do not ever want you to see me doing that again either. So but I have to ask, we were did in you agreement. Know, so like, anyway, that's, cause uh, that must be a big, did you know that that was going to happen? Like when she offered to give you a ride home, was it clear that like, that's where the evening was going? Or did you just think that like, that, you know, she was just being nice and offering to give you a ride? Oh God! So she gave me Jesus a ride, all right? Believe me. So, <laughs> well, I didn't know. It was kind of in between. The I'm two. just thinking, I mean, if you're an 18 year old guy, bit, you, no, you know, it's your first time. Like, you got to be stoked when you realize that, like, that's what might be happening, right? Like, you must have been very. Oh hell yeah! Of course, of course. But it's so weird now. I look back then. You know, it's kind of weird. Like you had to. Like in that case, like if I wanted to call her up, I had oh, to call yeah, and take a yeah. chance that her husband might answer the phone. I want like, to you know, know what it was already like into like creepy lifetime movie. Come home until the next day. Oh, I got that was really not my concern. You're a homewrecker. I was, yeah, I was, I was a homewrecker back in the. I, uh, all back I can picture because I've so. seen photos of you from back in the day. You were the definition of like, like they must have those 
old 23 year old waitresses must have been like drawing straws to see who was going to get you because you you had that like grin on your face like they were probably all you probably didn't even realize that they were probably all like angling to see like who was gonna like like take brett's flower from him (laughs) like well it happened okay so that's it so the only thing that's weird now is because i'm in my mid-50s now so that woman well you know i got a surprise for you brett she's on the call i found her Phyllis, come on out. <laughs> I would no, love it. Um... I think that would be so. <laughs> that would be so. That's fine with me. I don't. I don't mind that she's in her sixties. But um... <laughs> so, listen. On the next episode, I'd like to. I want to hear about. I want you to do some research and figure out what is the fourth um, level okay. of virginity. Nirvana. So it's you, you said there are three. Yeah. Three ways. Three so ways. Ironically, three ways are the so, fourth so, level. So your, third, your first three way is your fourth virginity. No, I actually. I know. Before we let people go. I know Got that, it. like, as if they're hostages, um, which they kind of are. I know that um, you mentioned first kiss as a possible. Well, here's the funny thing. My, I didn't, I lost my virginity before I got my first kiss. Like, the guy that I lost my virginity to refused to kiss me because kissing is, was gay. He didn't want to kiss. He would do everything but kiss. But he wouldn't kiss because kissing was gay. So if you ever want to do first kiss... That's actually a completely different story that takes place years later. Okay, so when I talk <laughs> to your delusional gay friends, if I can talk to them, you want to explain to, to him how first? kissing is that? No, I mean, like, I think you and I talked about this one day. Like, I can, you can kind of see it. It's like, you know, everything, but, you know, kissing is very intimate. It's romantic. It's whatever. Like, you know, if you, if you take out the kissing, then, you know, you can, you can tell yourself a lot of lies, basically. Anyway, if you, you would get, like you, to tell us a, your how lie. you lost your virginity stories, please send them to Brett Davey. <laughs> um, if you have photos, even better. And if you yeah. are the twenty or at the time twenty three year old waitress from Cellos who took Brett's virginity, we'd love to have you on the show. Talk to you, find out what Brett's basement was like. Figure out why you I didn't just it. go home after. Uh, you must have shown her a good time, Brett, because she could have just <laughs> gone home after the first time. She didn't need to like spend the night. So you must have. I, I was basically, I was basically like a, an eighties. Like, you were, sex you were, comedy, um, like what's his name? Patrick comedy. Dempsey in that pizza movie, you know, where he, he's like the pizza gigolo. That was you. Yeah. Um, I want you, can you do this? <laughs> Find a photo of yourself specifically from that year. So you can post it so people can see what, like what was going on there. Cause I think everyone's very curious about, uh, but anyway, thank you all for joining all us. Right. Please like share. Uh, comment and tune in next week where we will probably horrify you with more personal stories we shouldn't be sharing on every damn day.